Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a dynamic four-part series entitled All In. In this series, we will explore what happens when the full house of God puts it all on the line and goes all in. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. How you doing? How are we doing today, church? Good, good, good day to you. You guys excited? Yeah. Is that not a great question to wrestle with? Yeah. Are you who you want to be? Some days, if you're anything like me, the answer to that question is, well, yeah. Other days, you're like, no. That is a great, great question that we're asking at all of our campuses today before we open up the word, are you who you want to be? Now, before we get into the word, I just want to do a few little housekeeping things. This is going to excite you. It excites me. We got our first communications from Columbia this week from a woman. Check it out. Hold it. Hold it. We'll clap in just a moment. She, she wrote us an email and she said, hi, I saw your video of New Hope Church that will be in Columbia, South Carolina. We shot one, put it on the website and all that kind of stuff. I drive by the church every morning for coffee across the street. I look forward to visiting this fall. God bless you, Linda Hammond. Is that not cool? Is that not cool? Linda, you are our very first communication from Columbia. And so we are so excited. Welcome to all of you in Columbia who are excited about this series and uh, excited about us coming September 22nd. And uh, we're excited. I want to give a warm welcome to our campuses, all of our campuses, wherever you are. We're glad you're a part of this church. Hey, I want to also just celebrate the fact. Now, listen, if you weren't here last Sunday, we started the series off with All In. And we started it with Love the Lord Your God with All Your Oh, you guys are amazing. And what we did last week was he talked about the way in which Jesus, whenever he spoke about a person's heart, he always connected it to finances. Now, I'm not going to go into that any today. I just want to say this. I want to celebrate the fact that around 100 people took the tithing test last weekend. Is that not exciting? They are about to step into greatness and favor and anointing and blessing. And I just want to say to those of you who did, well done. Now, some of you took that sheet away and you prayed about it this week and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get in today or in the weeks ahead. That number is only going to go up. But I just really, really, really want to celebrate that. And listen, I made a decision this week because I believe last Sunday was one of those messages. Again, remember, I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I believe last Sunday was one of those messages that could truly impact the trajectory of your life. And so I made a decision this week that we are giving that message away free in the Resource Center. So if you weren't here, because we know all of you don't come every Sunday, but this series is trying to get us all to come every Sunday. Amen? All in. Okay? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But check it out. If you missed last Sunday... I want you to go to the Resource Center when the day is over, when this, when this uh, service is over. Go to the Resource Center at any, any of our campuses. They have them there as well. Grab that CD only if you missed it last Sunday because we've got to get through the day. Grab that CD, and if you promise to listen to it within the next 48 hours, it's yours free of charge. Go grab that. You don't want to miss it. Uh, last thing as far as housekeeping is concerned. Um, I sent an email out to the membership on Friday. 
How many of you got that? Wow. Yeah, we got a lot of members in here. I sent an email out to the membership. If you're not a member, I still want to make you privy to this information. We are going to be meeting today right here at 2.30, 2.30 p.m., and what we are going to be sharing with you and talking to you about is the journey that we have been on for 18 months with our neighbors across the tobacco trail. Now, you might be new around here. You might not know anything about that, and that's perfectly fine. But we've basically been in a journey where we're trying to do our very best to be the very best neighbor we can be as a church. I want you to know a couple things today. That's been our passion and desire, to be the very best neighbor we can be, while at the same time fulfilling our vision, creating compelling environments for people to experience God. So today at 2.30 p.m., I'm inviting all the membership from any of our campuses from Central to meet me here with some of the executive team members and our church attorney, and we're going to just share where we are in that process. And uh, just want you to be praying about this, church. <laughs> I wish you could see the looks on your faces right now. Um, some of you have that, like, you know, deer in the head, like saucer eye look. Um, pray about this. And uh, you're going to be hearing more about it from us, and you'll be hearing more about it in the community, I am sure. And uh, it's times like this that we need to gather around as a family Buckle down the hatches, pray, 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 pray really hard that we can continue to do two things. Again, just to reiterate, we are trying our best and spending resources to be the very best neighbor we can be, while at the same time staying legal with our music level, our music level. And we, we've been legal every step of the way. You got to hear that, okay? There's a noise ordinance, and we have been legal. So I hate to do that at the beginning of my message. I hope that you can turn the page. It was risky for me to do that because I wondered, would I ever get them back? Uh -huh. uh, so come on, go with me. Say, God is faithful. I believe that. That song really just ministered to me. God is faithful. Hey, last thing, and then we're jumping right in. You can go and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Vision day. When is it, church? We've been talking about it for a month. When is it? Next week is vision day. At all of our worship celebrations is vision day. Vision day what, church? 11. Be early. Be early. You do not want to miss the beginning of worship. Trust me, it is going to be one of those days we pull out all the stops for Vision Day every year. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, how many married people do I have in the house? Okay, so I'm married, and this May, this May, uh, my wife and I will celebrate 18 years. Thank you. Thank you. 18 years of marriage, and I talked about assumptions the other week with parenting. Some of you have false assumptions when it comes to my wife and I. I think some of you, you know, you, you think that we kind of float around. You think my wife probably wakes up and says, hello, dear husband, how can I serve you today? And then I respond, oh, honey, don't worry, let me wash your feet and serve you instead. Right? right? You, you think, and, and, yeah, let's go downstairs and gather our flock and read the Bible. Right, see, see, I think some of you have this false assumption. Uh, I, I went to Lay Miz. <laughs> go to Lay Miz, baby. It'll make you want to sing everything you say. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a great movie, by the way. So um, I did. I walked out. I walked home. Hello, dear family. How are you? Um, so, anyway, where, where in the world was I? Um, 
So um, you have these false assumptions about our marriages, and sometimes you say like really foolish things to us, like you guys never have problems, or you guys never struggle. And I, I kind of shuck it off, but really what you need to know is it's almost offensive. It's almost insulting. Do you really think, come on, just pause for a moment. Do you really think that we could be married, start this church from nothing, have five young children in the process of starting this church? Do you really think we have not had the same struggles and the same issues and the same fights and the same fusses and the same everything that you have? I mean, we really, really do. But I was thinking about what has enabled us to go 18 years. I was sitting in a personnel team meeting just this Monday, and one of the staff members, I, I, I was sitting there, and she just got to talking about Amy Lynn and I, and she was sharing how that since we came back from the sabbatical, she has sensed a very, very uh, significant difference in our marriage. And it really blessed me. I mean, she, she just went on and on and talking about how we just seem to be... Um, more content and more happy and more fulfilled than we've ever been. And I just sat there and I listened to that and it really blessed me, to be honest with you, because it's true. We really are in a place like we've never been before. And so on my way home that night, I started to think about what is that? Why, why has marriage like a fine wine for us? And some of you really need to hear this. It does get better in time. Please hear that. Some of you are in the place where it's hard and it's grueling and you want to throw in the towel. And what happens is so many couples throw in the towel and they, when they do that, they cut themselves off from the blessings and the benefit that comes with marriage and time. Can I get an amen from the people who've been married a while? And so on my way home, I was reflecting on why, why is our marriage at a good place? Why, why have we been able to make it through some very, very difficult times? And, and here's what I concluded, and it comes right down to this message. Last Sunday, I talked about loving the Lord your God with all your what? Now, when you get married, you love the person with your heart. You love them. And you have warm fuzzies, or you should. And the honeymoon is wonderful and incredible. But the problem in our culture is that we base our marriages upon loving our spouse with our heart. And beloved, that is not sustainable. Because there will come a day when you will not feel like loving your spouse. Am I right, married people? There will come a day when you're standing in the kitchen fighting over something. And the last thing you feel is warm fuzzies. <laughs> Loving your spouse with your heart is important and good, but it only gets you so far. If you're really going to learn and grow in your marriage and have it get better in time, listen, you have to learn to love your spouse with your mind. Ooh. You have to become the world's best expert on your spouse. Amen, he said. A deep voice, brother. <laughs> I date my wife. Uh, this, is not a, this is not a message on marriage, but it's, I'm going to turn the corner in a moment. I date my wife, and I love to date my wife. And if you don't date your spouse, you really need to date your spouse. When I date my wife, um, I, we, we get in the car, and we head out of the driveway, and usually within the first mile or so, I will ask this question. Guys, we always ask this question. Hey, babe, where do you want to eat? Where do you want to eat? And my wife answers the same way your wife answers. She wants to eat at the same 
restaurant that my wife wants to eat at. It's called the I don't care restaurant. <laughs> Honey, where you want to eat? I don't care. Now, check it out. Because my wife, one of the things she loves is she loves for me to take the initiative to plan where we're going to eat. As if she feels secure in that. She likes for me to decide. I don't know why. Sometimes I'm really sincerely asking, where do you want to eat? But she really doesn't care. She wants me to do it. Now, if I were to say, hey, honey, I decided tonight we're going to go to the hot dog stand. <laughs> now, right there, right there, right there, my wife would start caring. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen my wife eat a hot dog. Right there, she would start caring about where we went to dinner. Now, why do I not suggest that we go have hot dogs? You know, or why do I not suggest that we go to, to McDonald's? Nothing against those of you who love McDonald's, but my wife's just not really a McDonald's kind of woman, if you know what I mean. Why would I never suggest that? Here's why. Because I, in 18 years, I have actually learned to love Amy Lynn, not just with my heart, but with my mind. And I understand her. And I know her. And hopefully she understands me. A growing relationship with Jesus Christ is about learning to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. Let's read that verse together. They're going to pop it up right now. Mark 12, 30. Here we go. Ready? Go. Love the Lord your God with and with and with all your mind and with all your strength. They came to Jesus one day and they're like, Jesus, hey, there's, there's like over 600 commandments in the Old Testament, 600 laws that we are to obey, 618 to be exact to, to our best uh, knowledge from studying the scriptures, 618, Jesus, help us boil it all down. We really are trying to create a, a, a t-shirt. We, we need the cliff notes or we want to create a bumper sticker and slap that boy on the back of a camel or something. I don't know. Jesus, Jesus. Boil it all down. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. How, how are you doing with loving the Lord your God with all your mind? That's where we are going today. And if you remember, I shared a sentence with you last week. Take out your teaching notes. Really want you to grab that pen. Follow along with me. Here is a sentence that I shared last week that is the foundation of the entire series. Mark 12, 30 is the biblical foundation. But here is a statement. A growing relationship with Christ is not accidental, but what, church? It's intentional. A growing relationship with Jesus Christ is not accidental. It is intentional. And it's intentional in loving the Lord your God with all your mind. And this has been a stumbling block for some of you. Some of you have shied away from Christianity. Some of you have shied away from actually going all in with God. Because somewhere along the way, you have been convinced to be a Christian, you need to check your mind at the door. Some of you are here and you think, you know what, to be a Christian, I've got to dumb everything down. And that sentiment drives me crazy. And it's not your fault. Sometimes we get these messages from the media. This is one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy. You watch any of the major networks, CNN, uh, MSNBC, um, others, Fox, you watch them. And sometimes what they'll do drives me absolutely crazy. They'll get this brilliant PhD, articulate 
atheist or agnostic. And they'll pit him or her up against this backwoods, hillbilly, fifth grade education dude, right, right? And, 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 and it, it portrays Christians as a bunch of idiots who don't have their heads on and, and who are not smart and who, not, who do not think about things and who dismiss science and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not true. Like, beloved, I, just for the record, I don't believe faith and science are mutually exclusive. I actually think they build upon one another. And you're talking to somebody who was a pharmacy major. I mean, I, I went and did all the, the science courses in undergrad at university. I, I actually think God helps us understand science. And I believe science, when done right, helps us understand God. And so this church has always been a church that, that believes and, 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 and honors and serves and, and dives into the Word of God. We, we actually planted the Bible right here under this teaching platform. When we built this building, we laid one of my preaching Bibles underneath the concrete slab on this teaching platform. We had a night where we, we gathered a thousand or so of us, and the building was just a shell, if you will. It was concrete slabs all over the place. And we gathered, and with permanent markers, we, we encouraged a thousand people or so to walk around the building and write their favorite verses of Scripture on the floor before the carpet was laid down. Like, we really believe that this is the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And we really believe that we should study it and be informed and use our brains in the faith. And so my hope today, listen, my hope today is to try to reignite a passion in some of you. To study the word. To actually be Christians who engage the mind and go all in, if you will, with their mind. And I know, I know, I know, I want to just acknowledge the groups of people in here. Some of you are like, yes, I, will, I love the Word. I want to study it. I study it all the time. Others of you are like, I love the Word, but I've kind of fallen out of the habit and I haven't studied it in a long time. And others of you, listen, they're here and they're at our campuses. They're here and some of you are sitting there going, oh no, not another message on reading the Bible. Really? I, I've, I've been there, done that, Okay. And, and it hasn't worked. And I want to talk to you today. In fact, I want to talk to every single person in the house, here and at all of our campuses. I want to speak to you about the importance of reading the Bible. And I hope it will not be one of those messages that you've heard and you just dismiss. I hope I can actually convince you to dive in in 2013 and read the Word of God like you have never read it before. And to do that, I'm actually going to lay out some benefits for you. Just some benefits, biblical benefits for reading the Word. Again, I hope you have your teaching notes in front of you. Here's the first one, benefit number one. I will grow in wisdom. I will grow in what, church? I will grow in wisdom. Now, listen, how many of you desire wisdom? Just See, hands popped up, but not everybody. I, I've kind of picked up on this thread in the church and in the, in the world where people don't think, they don't think you can actually get God's wisdom. And they don't, they're not sure that you should even pursue it. Listen, I want to tell you right now, hey, I want God's wisdom. I want to be a wise person. There was an old lady on a flight across the country from California to the East Coast, and she was sitting beside a young businessman. And after the in-flight meal, you know those meals, God bless those meals. After the meal, all right, she opened up her Bible and she started to read her Bible. And the businessman right beside her said to her, you don't actually believe that stuff, do you? 
And she said, well, yes, I do believe it. And, and he scoffs and he says, well, what, what's that guy's name? That guy's name who, who lived in the belly of a well for three days. You, you don't actually believe that. And she said, yes. And he goes, well, how, how do you actually think that happened? And she said, I, I don't know, but I'll ask him when I get to heaven. And the businessman scoffed and said, well, <laughs> what if he doesn't go to heaven? What if he goes to hell? And the elderly lady said, well, that's no problem, young man. You can ask him. <laughs> when we read the Bible, we become wise. We tap into God's wisdom. In a day and age, listen, when the world is turned upside down and truth is a relative term, I can't really think of anything more important than Christians intently engaging the mind and acquiring godly wisdom. Amen? In 1 Corinthians, the Bible says this, verses 18 and 19. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are what, church? Who are what? But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. The Bible is telling us very clear in this passage and throughout that there is a wisdom of the world and there's a godly wisdom. Now, you can watch the evening news and you can read the newspapers and you can read your websites. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out that the world is jacked up. And we can follow the ways of the world. God gives us that choice. But I just want to warn you, if you follow the wisdom of the world, you too will be jacked up like the world. But if you get into the word of God and you develop a biblical world view, you will tap into a power source of Almighty God where God actually lights our path and gives us wisdom. Psalm 119, 105. Can we read this out loud? Psalm 119, 105. Oh, five. Let's read this. Ready? Go. Thy word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. Again, out loud, church at all of our campuses. Ready? Go. Thy word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. If you want wisdom, you get it from the word of God. You don't get it from your horoscopes. You don't get it from crystal balls. You don't get it, you don't get it from self-help books. I mean, have you actually thought about that? The whole self-help movement? Like, I don't know about you, but I don't want myself helping me. <laughs> I don't just add to the, the way in which everything's jacked up. I've, I, I've tried self. Jack me up. Okay. You don't find wit, you find wisdom, church, from the word of God. Here's the benefit number two. Oh, this is huge. This is huge. This is huge. Write it down. I will know God's will. Again, sometimes people don't think, I need to know God's will. Or they don't think it's necessary. Or they don't think it's good. And they, or they don't even think it's possible. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want to know God's will. If there's a seminar on knowing God's will, I'm signing up first. Am I the only one who wants to know God's will? Now listen, again, some of you raised your hand, most of you, some of you didn't. 
Some of you, I guess you don't think you can raise your hand in church. It's okay. You can raise your hand in church. I promise. But like, I really and truly want to know God's will for my life. And here's the thing I really want to communicate to you. You can. Like some of you desperately want to know God's will for your life in terms of what you're going to do with your life, in terms of who you're going to marry, in terms of how you're going to date, in terms of what school you're going to go to. I'm not telling you that you open up the Bible and says you shall go to Duke University. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord, she says. <laughs> some of you are saying, no, please help me, Lord. Don't send me there. But what I am saying is if you will become a student of the word and you get into the word, I believe God will reveal to you through his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the preached word of God, exactly his will for your life if you go all in and study the word of God. Let me tell you something. Write this down. I don't know if this is in your notes, but it will be on the screen. You will not know God's will until you know God's ways. And you will never know God's ways until you know God's word. Oh, my Lanta, some of you needed it. That's what you came for today, right there. That's what you came to. I'm going to read it again. Y'all can go back to the previous screen. You will not know God's will until you know God's ways, beloved. And you will never know God's ways until you know God's word. And when you know God's word, you know God's ways, and when you know God's ways, you can figure out God's will for your life. And when you don't, listen, when you don't, this is when people get all jacked up. He said to me, I promise you, he said this to me, I think God is leading my girlfriend and I to have sex before marriage. Let me repeat it. I think God is leading us to have sex before marriage. Dude, you dialed the wrong number. (laughs) She said to me, I think God is calling me to move into my uh, boyfriend's apartment to kind of test drive the relationship before our marriage. Sweetheart, you have missed... God's word. If you know God's word and you study it, there are some things you don't have to pray about. Sometimes prayer becomes an excuse to do nothing, and sometimes it becomes an excuse to end up doing the wrong thing. Some of you really need to listen. This is important. God is never going to lead a child to do something that's counter to what the Word of God says. Like, like, dear sir, married man, listen. God will never lead you to turn in your spouse for a newer model. Well, I've been married to her 20 years and... There's this young girl at the office, and I think God's Spirit is leading me to dump my older version and get a newer one. Now, we're kind of laughing a little bit, but listen, these are comments people make. That wasn't God leading you, dude. That was your libido. 
God will never lead you to lead your business for you business owners, will never lead you to cut corners and, and make a profit unethically. Or to treat your employees um, in a mean-spirited, cruel, uh, un-God-honoring way. If you will. God, God, God won't lead you to do that kind of stuff. And where Christians get way off is we don't stay in the Word, and we then start following self all in the name of God leading us. Beloved, God's not leading you. That's the pizza you ate last night. Are, are we tracking? This is, this is incredibly important. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Romans 12, 1 and 2, what a great passage of Scripture. Look at what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, so the Bible says offer your what? Your bodies. Offer your bodies. That's, that's all in, every bit of me. But then look at what the Bible says. Verse 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world. But be transformed, here it is, by the renewing of your what? Renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Some of you are here and you've made New Year's resolutions and you got New Year's goals. And here's your problem. You're focusing on the behavior. You're focusing on the goal instead of renewing your mind. How many of you have tried, how many of us have tried, you know, diet deals, right? Only to fail miserably because we focus on the diet. Some of us have tried uh, getting physically fit and we fail miserably. Others of us have tried lots of different things. And listen, what I came by to let you know today and what Romans 12 says is you don't change your behavior by focusing on your behavior. You change your behavior by changing your mind. Amen. You, you renew your mind. God's word or wisdom teaches me that I change my behavior by changing my mind. And I've been saying for the longest time now that I really am I'm praying that 2013 will be a banner year for you. How many of you want that? How many of you are ready for that? Banner year. I'm praying that it'll be the best year you've ever had in your walk with Christ. The very best. But it will not happen, listen, warning, if all you do is focus on the surface and on the behavioral modification that you need, what you really need to focus on is mental transformation. Renewing your mind will actually bring about behavioral modification. Because here's what happens when you don't do that. Come on, am I not reading your mail? I haven't seen any of your emails, but I'm in your inbox right now. Here we go. So many of you are here, and this is how you treat Christianity. You don't mean to, it just happens. You come to church on Sundays, you hear, you worship, you pray, you ask for forgiveness. Then you go out this week, you do the very same thing. You struggle with the very same sin. You struggle with the very same battle. You got this thing, you got this vicious cycle going on. Then you come back up here on Sunday. You worship, thank God you're here. You pray for forgiveness, but you go out and you do the very same thing. And then you do it next week. And what happens is you create this vicious cycle that Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually referred to as cheap grace. 
Cheap grace is this notion that I can have a relationship with God where I just keep living in sin and keep asking for forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, and you never experience any true transformation. Here's why. You're taking information in, but you're not applying it. Information plus application is what really equals transformation. Write that down. Not just information. Information plus what, church? Information plus application is what truly brings about transformation. It's not just about knowledge acquisition. So as I, as I talk about the Word, please don't think that what I'm saying to you is let's just go read the Word, let's study the Word all year long, let's become big-headed people, picture a little stick figure, right? Got a big old honking head, little old tiny body, and we become full of knowledge acquisition, but that will not equal transformation unless we work in application. If you're tracking with me, say amen. The Bible says this in James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Okay? Be doers of the word, it says. Look at what John 14.21 says. If you love me, Jesus says, you will what? Obey my commandments. So part of what it means to be a believer who goes deep, part of what it means to be a church that goes deep, it's a church that, yes, goes after knowledge acquisition, yes, becomes students of the Word, yes, learns to think about the nuances and the difficulties and the interesting days in which we live, but we don't just get knowledge acquisition. We have to do application, and when we do, we experience transformation. Let me just walk you through then in my remaining time today, application. So if you're tracking with me so far and you want me to keep going, say, bring it, Pastor. Oh, here we go. Application number one. This is how you do it, church. Attend a Bible-based church every Sunday and apply the teachings. If you want to go all in with your mind, which is fundamental in growing in your relationship with Christ, it is paramount in experiencing what God has for you and what God has for us as a church in 2013. Attend a Bible-based church every Sunday, and here's key, and apply the teachings. Notice I said Bible-based, okay? This sentence is structured very, very uh, important, the word choice that I have, have, have used here. A Bible-based, if it's this church and you believe it's a Bible-based church, and I sure hope it is, let it be this church. If, if you're just passing through and you live somewhere else or you're watching somewhere on the internet and you're somewhere around the world, whatever the case might be, find a Bible-based church and attend it. How often? Yes. Guys, it still blows my mind. That Christian statistics show Christians, born-again believers, will attend church like once or twice a month. God has set this thing up with a rhythm. Think of the Sabbath rhythm. Work six days, off one day. Work six days, 
rest one day. Well, God has, has, has orchestrated the whole deal where you, where you live six days, you're in the community, or you're with your family if you got family, you're, you're engaged in all that you're engaged in, taking kids here, doing this, doing that, going to school, studying, whatever. But that you do that for six days, but one day a week on this rhythm, six-one ratio, you come into the house of the Lord and you worship God and you open up your mind to have the word of God poured in and preached to you. It's key. And people who understand this, when they're sick, they check it out on the internet. When they travel, they go to church on Sunday. It is that important. Now, I'm not going legalistic on this whole deal, but listen, this is biblical. Look at what Hebrews says. Hebrews 10, 25. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Go. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Let's continue. Especially now as you see the day approaching. The Bible says let us not give up the habit of meeting together weekly for the edification of the mind, the, the building up of the mind. Let us do it even more so as we see the day approaching. Incredibly important that you sit in church every single week. Here's an idea. Bible in hand. Like, I really encourage you. I know I'm always saying this. Bring your Bibles. And you say, well, can I use my phone or my iPad? Absolutely. It's really a trip these days as I preach. This is a new phenomenon. As I preach now, I'm looking at every, all of you, but what I see is some of the faces are lit up. And it's like, whoo! It's, like it's like this person over here has the Shekinah glory. And this one has the Shekinah glory. And this one, and this one. And it threw me for a loop. But then I started to realize, oh, what they're doing is they're looking at their iPad or their phone. Okay? Nothing wrong with that. Okay? But you're in church every single week hearing the word of God preached, here's the key, and applying the teachings. Look, you, you, just because you come to church every week doesn't make you a Christian. Just like sitting in your car, every, in your garage every day wouldn't make you a car. You have to apply what you hear. Can I get an Amen. Here, here's the second point of application. Oh, I hope you're writing this down. Join a semester and sermon-based life group and apply the teachings. Join a semester and sermon-based life group and apply the teachings. Listen, a major strand in the DNA of New Hope Church is the biblical teaching of what we call life groups. And they're going into a brand new season that, quite frankly, I am so excited about. It's semester-based, sermon-based life groups. Our life groups have never looked better. The, the forecast has never been more exciting than they are right now. And I'm getting ready to call Pastor Chad Lunsford out in just a moment, who's going to walk you through exactly what that looks like in this season. But I want us to look at Acts 2, 46 first. Acts 2, 46 through 47. This is what the Bible says. Every day, how often? Every day they continue to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They did what? Broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, okay? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord did what? The Lord added to their number daily 
those who are being saved. Now, what you see, this is Acts chapter 2, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Bible layout. Acts chapter 2 is a portrait, if you will, of the very first church. This came after Pentecost. Some of you heard of that growing up. Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes, gives birth to the church. The church is birthed. And here is what's going on in the very first church. They met in the temple courts. That's what we're doing right here. Large worship celebrations in the temple courts. And then day to day, they met in people's homes, breaking bread, praising God, enjoying the favor, and those two things working together. Corporate, large, communal worship celebrations, life groups or small groups in people's homes. Those two things working together is what made up the first century church. And as a result, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is exactly the model of New Hope Church. Sunday worship every week, week in and week out. And then life groups in various homes, various places, various times throughout the week. Instead of me talking about this, I am going to call Chad Lunsford. He is our connections pastor. He teaches often from this stage. This guy has gone to work on, on setting the trajectory and the vision for the future of our church when it comes to life groups. I want you to show him some love as he comes down here and spends a few minutes with you. Hey, New Hope, how we doing? You guys look great. I'm, uh, I'm privileged and uh, appreciative of Pastor Benji of uh, inviting me out here to come and share for just a moment with you guys. But uh, before I do that, if you guys are tracking with Pastor Benji, if you're excited about what he's sharing, why don't you guys shout for just a second here? Yeah. It's uh, so important. This series is so important. And I'm, uh, I'm glad to be with you guys. I'm glad to be with you at all of the campuses as well. So let me, let me just share for just a moment. I want to piggyback or really springboard on what Pastor Benji was just sharing. If we back up just a couple of verses... There in, uh, in Acts 2, it, it says this, where it was what Pastor Benji was just sharing. It says that, that the, uh, the early church, they devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, much like we're doing today, where we're still going back, we're reading, and we're, we're learning from. And that's kind of what we do when we, we gather together. But it doesn't stop there. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They did both, and God blessed it. God was, he just poured out his favor all over them. It says that it was adding to their number daily. Because they were doing both, the teaching and the fellowship. And so here's what we believe the early church realized. Life is better connected. Life is better connected. In fact, you're going to hear us saying that a lot in 2013, okay? We hope you guys get sick of it. But before with that, why don't we all say it together? You guys ready? Life is better connected. I want to make sure the campuses are saying it too, so let's do it all together one more time, okay? Life is better connected. Life is better connected. And so I know some of you might be thinking, okay, the church wants one more thing from me, right? Yeah, some of you, let's just be honest, you're thinking, they want one more thing from me. But I want to reiterate what Pastor Benji shared last week. He, he, he said it a number of times. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. We want something for you because we believe it. Like, listen, this is not a program. We, we're, we're all busy. We believe in a group environment, life change happens. The people actually take what they're learning here and they go and apply it in their groups, right? They learn to live when they're sitting here in rows, but when they go and sit in a circle in a group, they learn to love. They, they, they take it to that next step. Last year, uh, almost exactly a year ago, when we were meeting at DPAC in Durham, uh, Pastor Benji laid out his vision for the, for the upcoming year for life groups. He said, if we do these things, I think we can take life groups to the next level, and he was right. 
He said if we do sermon-based life groups and semester-based life groups, we can start taking things to the next level. I'm here to tell you, in 2012, we doubled the number of life groups we have here at, uh, at New Hope. In fact, we, we are, we're, we're way past the, the growing 100% mark whenever we launch groups here in, uh, on February 24th of this year. And it's just my goal, it's my heart that we actually double it again in 2013. I think we can do that. But let me walk through just a couple quick things. The first is those sermon-based life groups. We come on a Sunday, we hear great teaching uh, every, every weekend. But here's the truth. There's sometimes, right, we forget it. Like you're here, you're in it, and then you go out there and you're busy and life happens and you just forget it. It happens. If, if me, even as a teacher, I can stand up here and I can teach it, and then I go, if I don't apply it, I can forget it like that. You can say, hey, what did you teach last weekend? Um, it happens sometimes if, if we just, if we don't put it to work. And so here's the deal. In Matthew 7, it says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. So to go and actually apply it and, and flesh it out. I want you guys to picture this. You, all across the, the, the New Hope Nation, we, we hear the message on a Sunday. And then can you picture hundreds, thousands of people meeting in homes on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays, and meeting in cafes in Sanford or over in Garner or throughout Chapel Hill, Durham, and Raleigh, meeting over that same message, fleshing out those same scriptures, diving deeper into it. You see, here's, here's something we don't always get to share from the stage. There's just as much content that we take out of a message that we actually get to share during a message. And so when you guys meet in homes, you take it to that next step. You take it to that next level. We take exactly what we're teaching in here, and then we take and we create curriculum that'll go with you guys during the week. So we do sermon-based curriculum. The second is we do semester-based groups, all right? We realize everyone's busy. We, we realize you, you've got things that God has brought into your life, family and work commitments and school and whatever else it may be. And we want you guys to be able to do those things really well, but also connect also. And so here's, here's the deal. We, we have these semester-based groups that have a clear beginning and a clear ending, all right? They don't, they don't just go on forever. So like I said, on February 24th, we have a new uh, semester that's going to be starting up, and then it's going to end in early May. So our spring semester is 12 weeks, our summer is 8, and then our fall is also going to be 12. And so there's a clear beginning and a clear ending where you can jump in and connect and then get a breather and then connect back in with a group. Now, here's what I know everyone is saying at all the campuses. You guys are saying, Pastor Chad, you guys, are, you're giving such a compelling vision for life groups. We just can't wait to get in one. So how do we do it? That's what you guys are saying, right? Every, everybody, that's what you're saying. So here's the deal. If I was to ask this maybe a year ago, I might get dozens of different answers if, we were, if I was to ask different New Hopers because it was kind of unclear how to get into a group. Now we're, we're taking those dozens of ways and turn it into one, which we're calling group link. All right, everybody say it with me. Group link, all right? So if anyone ever says, hey, I'm new to New Hope, how do I get into a group? Your answer is group link. That's right. And what group link is, it's just simply, it's a, it's a 90-minute event. It, it, it's a party, all right? It's, just, it's, it's one big party where anyone and everyone who's interested in getting in a group, you might have been walking with Christ for a long time. You might be new to faith. You might be a, a, a married couple. You might be a family. You might be a single parent. It could be, we have groups for all different uh, like-minded individuals, whatever it might be, where you come together, all right, and, and you get to know each other, and that evening you actually join a group, all right? Now, the way we used to do it is you by yourself or with your spouse or with a friend, you would go to somebody else's home, 
and it was a group that they knew each other, right? And you didn't know them, and it was kind of scary, right? Like you would, there were there was inside jokes, and there were things that they would do, and you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get it, right? We're taking all of that away, and everybody's sort of on the same playing field. We come together. It's going to happen on all of our campuses, and uh, we're actually going to join groups that night. So February 11th, guys, February 11th, write that down. Your ushers, whenever you're walking out today, are going to have these cards. They just simply uh, have a little bit of group link information on them, and uh, you can grab that. You can stop at your life group kiosk at any of the campuses, and you can register for that today. All right? So I want you guys, February 11th, group link, just to come and, uh, and check it out. Pastor Benji's going to come out in just a second, but before he does that, I want you guys to take a quick look at, uh, at this video we created. Thanks for your time, guys. Remember the team, the club, the band, the easy friendships, the time spent just hanging out with people who have your back, call you out, make you better. People who remind you that life is better connected. When people come together with a purpose, there's joy and laughter. There's the thrill of making new memories. There's comfort and shared sorrow. There's growth. When others know you and you know them, life somehow feels more real. Find the people in the perspective to savor the highs, survive the lows, and share the points in between. Join a group. Life is better connected. Very cool, isn't it? Yeah. Right? So application, let's just start to wrap this thing up. Application, first thing is what? Attend a Bible-based church once a month. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Bible says every week. Attend a Bible-based church every Sunday and do what? Apply. Apply. Application, application, application. Second one, if you're going to go all in in 2013, second one is what? Join a life group and do what? Apply the teachings. Okay? Semester-based is a clear start date and a clear end date. And listen, some of you can lead groups. I don't know if Pastor Chad said that. But some of you are sitting here and you can lead groups. We need life group leaders. But how are we going to do that? How do we get in a life group going forward? Come on, come on. He just spoke. Group link. And what was that date? February 11th. Very, very important. Here's the third and final one. Third and final one. Engage and follow a Bible reading plan. Here it is. I said it on every one of them. And apply the teachings. Engage and follow a Bible reading plan. And apply the teachings. Now at all of our campuses, I want you all to look in either the chair or the book rack in front of you or in Sanford. It's on the pew. Look in the pew, the back of the pew. I want you to grab this Bible reading plan. And wave it in the air. Let's get Pentecost going. Get the winds of the Holy Spirit. Come on, you can do better than that. Blow it, blow it. We laid this out for you. Here it is. Listen, we are always trying to help you apply. So open it up. Everybody get it? All of our campuses. Open it up. It's laid out for you a six-month reading plan. And beloved, if you will just simply read a passage a day, you will read through the entire New Testament in six months, and it will wreck and rock your world and change your life. 
Have you ever read through the New Testament? Some of you have. Most of you probably have not. Here's a great chance for the church, all of our campuses, the whole New Hope movement to read the Word of God and read the entire New Testament in the next six months. Beloved, we need this. Oh, my lanta, when I planned this, I didn't know how bad we were going to need as a church family to get into the Word of God and read it. So you take this with you, and you're like, well, what if I miss a day? Beloved, be gracious with yourself. It's okay. Sometimes people will miss a day. Oh, just forget it. Don't worry about it. I'm done. I missed a day. <laughs> just pick back up. Make up for it. Read two. These are not large passages of Scripture. Read two or just start back with one a day. It's not the end of the world. But listen, this is how we go all in. This is how we, this is how we learn the ways of God. Like some of us, we know the ways of man. We live in it. Some of us know the ways of children. Children. I mean, I see you as parents. I do the same thing. We get on our child's level and we, and we, we talk to them. True story. A parent was talking with their child the other day. And a parent said, what does a horse say? And, and, and the kid goes, Nee-hee. And the kid goes, mommy, mommy, what, what does a sheep say? And the parent got down and went, bah. And then the mom said, well, we're having fun here. The mom said, what does a cow say? And the kid said, eat more chicken. That's awesome. (laughs) Listen, if you are affiliated with Chick-fil-A whatsoever, you need to go tell your manager about that because that's a win. (laughs) They have so branded their product. Listen, listen, listen. The church is missing our mark when we're not in the Word of God, allowing God to brand us, mark us, so that we live as distinctive believers in the world. Listen, but not of the world. Three things I've laid it out for you. I've laid it out for you. If you want to go all in in 2013 and love the Lord your God with all your heart, we talked about that last week. Go get the CD if you missed it. And with all your mind, Jesus summed it all up with this love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The way you love the Lord your God with all your mind, listen. You attend church every single Sunday, this church or some other church, and you apply the teachings. You do life with other believers throughout the week in a life group and apply the teachings. And you engage in a Bible reading plan. Some, you don't, it can be this, it doesn't have to be. I'm just laying it out there for you. Some sort of Bible reading plan where you read the Word of God daily. When you do, beloved, you will know God's ways. Listen. And you will tap into God's wisdom. But the choice is yours. Like, I'm not going to share a rip-roaring story right now. And try to work with your emotions, you know, and, you know, heart-wrenching story. And that's why we should read the Word of God. The choice is yours. See, you have the desire. Like, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have the desire to grow in God. I I believe that about you. I, I give you the benefit of the doubt. I think every single one of you, your heart, your mind, you desire this. But can I just be brutally honest with you? Again, don't need, don't need a story to say this. Desire and 25 cent 
We'll get you a cup of coffee, you know where. It's desire plus discipline. Desire plus discipline equals all in. And the thing that separates good people from great people, I'm not talking about being saved. You're, this, none of this is about being saved. <laughs> if I haven't said that, let me say, you don't achieve salvation, beloved, you receive it. It's a gift, amen? But this is about you tapping into God's best for you. This is about you becoming the man and the woman that God wants you to be. You will never do it. You heard it here first. You will never do it with desire alone. Some of you have been doing it on desire alone for decades. And if you were honest with yourself when you lay in bed at night, when you're all alone and you, 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 you cover and you talk about those topics that you don't talk about with anyone else, at the end of the day, some of you have tried the Christian faith and you have found it wanting. It's not all that. Here's why. You've done information without application. You have desire without discipline. And I just encourage you, challenge you, anything I can to say, listen, you want to go all in in 2013? Do these three things, and you watch God unfold a year in your life, a banner year like you didn't even know possible. You watch God lay his blessing and favor on this church like we have never seen before if we as a community of faith will go all in with our hearts and all in with our minds. If you receive it, can I hear a strong amen? Amen. Father God, we love you, we praise you, we worship you, we thank you. You are the cornerstone. You are the foundation of this church. But God, the truth is you, you will not. You have not. This is your way. You, you have not forced yourself upon humanity. You will only be the foundation of a person's life and a church's life. When we learn to love you, Lord God, with all of our hearts, And today, God, with all of our minds. So would your spirit move in this place right now? Father, would you minister to us? I pray that we as a church would go all in. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our worship teams are going to come back uh, out on all of our stages, and they are going to lead us in an amazing Song. It's titled Cornerstone. It's the fact that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Amen? He will only be the chief cornerstone of your life, beloved, when you learn to build your life. Listen, listen, listen. Upon the rock-solid teaching of his word. In fact, upon the rock-solid Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of Lords, which the Bible comes to teach us about. So why don't we stand at all of our campuses? And I want us to sing this out, and I don't want us to just let what we just heard fall by the wayside. I'm kind of asking you to do two things right now. You're smart people. You can do this. I'm asking you to sing this song as loud as you can. I'm asking you to kind of hang in here with me for a moment. Sing this song, but here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you to think about where you are in this mind deal. I want this to be a time of commitment. 
Are you going to go all in in 2013? Or are you going to just keep kind of doing the surface deal, dabbling, dabbling, if you will, in Christianity? Sing this song and think about that. I'll come up and wrap us up. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.